0: Welcome to WeChat Divorce, hosted by Karen Chalou, legal liaison, and Katherine Shanahan, CDFA. Each episode, we sit down with divorce professionals and industry experts to provide insights and frank discussions about real people, real situations, and real divorce to help you achieve your best life post-divorce. This episode of WeChat Divorce is brought to you by My Divorce Solution. Helping you secure your worth and protect your wealth in divorce.
1: Welcome to WeChat Divorce. Catherine and I are so happy today to welcome Stacy Francis. Welcome, Stacy. Thank you, Karen. It's great to see you. Hi, Catherine.
2: Hello. So happy to see
1: you. In this episode, we're going to discuss divorce tips when dividing cryptocurrency, private equity, and hedge funds. But first, let's meet Stacy. Stacey is the president and CEO of Francis Financial, a fee-only boutique wealth management, financial planning, and divorce financial planning firm dedicated to providing ongoing comprehensive advice for successful individuals, couples, and women in transition, such as divorce or widowhood. Stacey is also the founder of the nonprofit Savvy Ladies and host of the Financially Ever After podcast on which Catherine and I were recently honored to contribute as a guest.
0: Welcome
3: again. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I'd love talking. And we're talking about some complex stuff today, but my goal is to take something that's super complex and have everybody walk out of here feeling like they're an expert. So I know we've got, okay. a, that's a big goal, but I feel like we can do it. That's I great. Think, I, I think we can do, do it too. It too. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> Stacey, I believe your story includes an experience you observed with
3: your grandmother Myra.
1: Can you can we just start yeah. off, out with that story because it's pretty powerful?
3: Thank you. Yeah, it's I never expected to become a financial planner, let alone a divorced financial analyst. I, I don't know of any other little girl that like has those dreams, but this profession really chose me. And it's because I grew up watching one of the most amazing women in the world, someone who I love dearly, my grandmother, find herself rendered really powerless because she felt financially trapped in her marriage. She was really excluded from the finances by my grandfather and felt like she she really just didn't have that financial literacy and that knowledge. Why it's such a traumatic story is that it was an abusive marriage. It was phenomenally abusive, not only financially abusive and emotionally, the things that he said to her and it then became physically abusive. And I grew up seeing bruises. I grew up seeing, you know, someone I loved so close to me be hurt by what I think of as, as a monster and not being able to make it better. And for her feeling like she couldn't leave and that she didn't have the knowledge or the resources or the support to leave and it culminated in her dying growing up as a little girl watching this it changes you it changes you it leaves scars it leaves fears that I know I will have for the rest of my life and the way that I have gone on that healing journey is to try and help other women And so I created a beautiful charity in honor of my grandmother called Savvy Ladies. And we work with women that unfortunately are in her situation, trying to escape an unhealthy marriage. But we also work with women who are just graduating college and starting their first job and making that decision between do I put money in my 401k or pay off my student loans? And it doesn't matter if she has a dollar in her pocket or she doesn't have a dollar in her pocket. SavvyLadies.org is there to support. And we work with literally we tens of thousands of women since I started this organization 20 years ago. And I'm just so pleased. And I feel like I'm paying it forward. I know she's looking down from heaven. I know how proud she is. And I know how happy she is that her story, as hard as it was, is making a difference. You know, it's making a difference. And for all the women listening today, no one deserves to be in a marriage where they're unhappy. There doesn't have to be abuse. Obviously, my grandmother's situation was an extreme situation. But we live one life. And as women, we live such long lives out to age 95. We need to be living our best life. And for many of us, it's us on their own. And I have to tell you, Karen and Catherine, we've worked with hundreds of women going through divorce. Not one of them regretted that. No. It took the yeah, it took them some time to get there. Well, even if you're married
2: and you feel like you know you just want to stay that journey in that marriage, you do have a right to the financial information in your marriage. And financial abuse is something that's not understood and not ever talked about. And it's truly out there. You know, if you're being controlled by your spending on a credit card, that's abusive. You know, if you are being controlled on what you're doing today, tomorrow, and the next day, financially speaking, that's abusive. And you have a right to have that discussion with your spouse. And if they truly want to stay married or they truly say they love you, they're going to have those discussions with you. And it's really scary to have those discussions, but it's the reason why we do the podcast so far and why we have the Mrs. To Me event is because we all have that right. If you change, if just today you start changing your relationship with money, you'll feel a little empowered and you don't have to understand everything. And again, we are talking about complex things today and I'm really excited to do that because any kind of resource to somebody who might feel a little stronger because they got a little bit of financial knowledge is what we're all set out here to do. So, exactly. that's great. You started that, and good for you. And yeah, your grandmother is looking down, <laughs> and she's really quite happy right now. Yeah, I hope so.
1: That path forward for sure. <laughs> Stacy, you also authored a white paper called "Unveiling the Spoken Truth," and the title of that white paper is much longer than that. But before we get into deconstructing some of our financial tips today, I noticed that in the white paper, one of the findings was looking back half of the WDM, which is women, divorce and money study participants, now wish they had a different financial agreement. And so we, Catherine and I were looking at that and we found that study to be right on point to our discussion today, because we believe this is a result of the reality. People do not understand complex assets. Yeah. So we, be, before we get into the tips of the assets we'll be discussing today, let's start with, first of all, what are they?
3: Yeah, great question. So just to give you a little background, so the Women, Divorce, and Money study we conducted ourselves, we interviewed 150 high net worth women who went through divorce and asked them, you know, what did you do right? What, would, what mistakes did you make? And yes, that number was really, at least for me, shocking that half wished they had a different divorce settlement agreement through Francis Financial, what we do is we work with higher net worth women where there are a lot of complex assets like we're going to be talking about today and model out that settlement. And we see a lot of confusion and lack of understanding, particularly around crypto assets, around private equity, and also around hedge funds. And so, you know, part of why so many women wish they had a different financial settlement agreement is that they didn't have the clarity about all of their assets. And we see even more regret on those settlement agreements when there has been very complex assets present like this. I mean, there are a lot of financial people out there that that don't even understand crypto hedge funds or private equity, you know, let alone right. someone who has not been in the driver's seat of the finances. Yeah. Yeah. And in so like, particular, their attorneys don't understand it. That's for sure. Yeah, no, their attorneys do not either. I mean, most people don't go to law school because they love math. Right. Just right. saying, or right, right. Yeah. And they're, yeah. they're not
2: trained in that. And the easiest thing to do is just say, sure, he can keep it. It's easier to walk away and keep something that you know, like your home or something that has just a number on the paper that you can relate to. So they just say, okay, you can have the crypto yeah. because there's no, tr- you know, I can't explain. No real value there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Let's start out with defining what they are, because I think there's a lot of people in the space that really need to understand what is it before we talk about how it plays through a divorce. So what is cryptocurrency? What is private equity? And what are hedge funds?
3: Yep. So uh, cryptocurrency, it is, it's a currency. It's like a dollar in your pocket, except that you have it on an exchange. And the typical exchange where you're going to be able to get in a statement to see is called Coinbase. That is the largest. But there are thousands of different types of cryptocurrency. We all know Bitcoin. You may have heard of Dogecoin and a few others, but there are literally thousands. The challenge with cryptocurrency is that unless it's on an exchange like a Coinbase, there's there's no record of it. There's no way to track it. And a good number of cryptocurrency investors, where that crypto is actually located, is on the hard drive of a computer. And the only way that you're gonna ever know it's there is if you have a key, which is essentially a password that's like 20 random figures long to unlock it. So When it comes to particularly hiding assets, crypto is the biggest one I see. And I also see a lot of people not having proof of what the real value is and just taking their spouse's word for it. That's a big problem. So Mm -hmm. that's what crypto is. You can buy a Tesla with crypto. I mean, it is cash. It is cash. And just because it's a volatile asset doesn't mean that it's not worth what its true value is. So that, that's crypto, hedge funds. So hedge funds, if you think about a mutual fund that someone might know or an exchange traded fund, a mutual fund, you could have all large company stocks or all small company stocks or all different types of bonds, anything can be in there in a mutual fund and you can go to Vanguard to buy it. But what's different about a mutual fund versus a hedge fund, that mutual fund, you can lift up the hood and look at the engine actually see what they're invested in. You can see that you hold 2% of it in Facebook and 3% in Google. And by law, they have to report what their holdings are. With a hedge fund, it's not, that's not the case. They don't have to publicly disclose in the same way how you're invested. Typically, the hedge funds out there have a much higher risk with them. You know, they're, they're not investing in Google, typically, or Facebook. They're investing in a distressed company, or a strip mall, or some other type of strategy that usually is very sophisticated, very complex, and also typically has much higher risk. That's what a hedge fund is. And private equity is really super simple. It's Google before Google went public right? Google's public. You can buy a share of Google. We can go and do that. Actually, it would take us about two or three minutes. Super easy. But you can also invest in companies before they get that big, before they do what's called an initial public offering and and start to have shares that trade on an exchange. So I'm an individual company. You're an individual company. People, if you wanted, could invest. That would be considered private equity. So it's not super complex, but There are some problems with private equity, similar to hedge funds. You can't lift up the engine to really see what you're investing in. There's no disclosure that has to happen of what those financials of that company are that's easy for anyone to get. Also, there's a lot more risk because usually these are smaller companies, right? They're not the ghouls. They're much smaller companies and there's usually a lot more risk with that. And with hedge funds and also private equity, if you put your money in, doesn't mean that you're getting it out tomorrow. Right. Understanding that you're investing in something that you're not going to have full clarity into, your money is going to be locked up. There are tax implications as well that we, you know, you have to think about, and they're not super easy to value. You can't look up the share price of, uh, you know, versus how you could just look up Google. So these are all things. It doesn't mean that they don't have value because they do, but it's not so easy. You can't, you don't really get a statement that like tells you what your private equity is worth. Right.
2: Which is great when we do all, you know, gather all the information. And this is why it's really important to understand all the components of your estate because you may want to negotiate something away, but if you don't understand everything involved, you end up going down a rabbit hole of, oh my gosh, I'm going to investigate this. And then you end up spending hundreds of thousands of dollars in a legal battle when really, if you had all the information and you knew like, let's just say this private equity company, okay, this is a gamble. I know that I could see documentation that, My spouse invested 50,000 into this private company. So I know that at least there was 50,000 used. But yes, maybe it's going to be worth millions. Maybe it's not. Maybe it'll be worth zero. So then at least if you have that information, you could decide, are you a gambler or would you rather take 50,000 or at least 50,000 from someplace else and keep it? And that's your decision to make if you have the information. You just don't walk away from it.
3: Yeah, you know, you bring up such a good point. And, you know, I'd love to really dive into private equity, because I see it more and more. And it's definitely present in a lot of high asset divorces that we work on, especially if the spouse is in finance. And, you know, we're in New York City. I mean, we have divorces working on all over, but in New York, a lot of these finance guys just love this stuff. And essentially what they do is they go to the bar, they get lots of margaritas, they get drunk and they're like, oh, I know this great company <laughs> putting this money. I'm going to be rich overnight. And they're like, yeah, sure. And so that's how it really happens. But, you know, it helps to know how much went in, right? So what's your basis? The challenge is that unless you hire a forensic accountant to actually do a valuation of that private equity, you're not going to really know the value. It's very hard to know the value. And so what I've seen individuals do is that I've seen individuals just say, okay, no problem, we're splitting it half and half, is what it is. And then when there's a liquidity event, whatever that value is, I'm gonna get it. Now, yes, there's a lot of risk, but if you're not willing to pay that, you know, a couple thousand dollars to do that private equity business valuation, that's one way to do it. If you're going to trade away that asset and there was a significant contribution that went into it, I would say, look into having a private equity valuation. And this is why. We had a situation, someone put $100,000 in and you know, the husband was saying, you know, it's probably only worth 5 million. And she said, no problem, I'll take two and a half. I'll do my two and a half, you do your two and a half. They got divorced. Three months later, it went public for $50 million. He got the balance. <laughs> She's kicking herself. Oh, yeah. And that dollar amount that, yes, $2.5 million is a lot, but because she lives in New York, because of all these things, she actually has to go back to work. And he's walking away with $47 million plus. So, again, You know, don't believe what your spouse is saying this is worth. Don't believe his business partner or his golf buddy who says it is what it is worth. If you are trading away this asset, get a second opinion on what that real valuation is because you could kick yourself. And for her, um, she did. Yeah, you know, you put in a hundred thousand
2: and you're thinking, okay, five million, I'm walking away with two and a half. That's a very that's good, pretty return good, right? She's like, this right? is great. And you're finished. But you're right. Just a few months later, you're saying, shit, I didn't do my due diligence. And now I'm going back to work. And it was a $25 million or $20 million mistake, basically, for her. And again, that's the financial clarity piece that I know the three of us are always talking about. It's just know this information and invest in yourself. So in this scenario, it would have been better for you to get that appraisal. And, you know, if you're going to spend a few thousand dollars, you're investing yourself to have that information. It was all relative to the amount that she was walking away with. So, yeah, you know, it's really hard to get over your divorce when you're living with regret and (laughs) living with financial regret is just painful. And it takes even that much longer. That's unfortunate.
1: It is. And you know, there's a flip side to that. First of all, there's there are creative solutions when dividing such volatile assets, like up to like a low high kind of approach. But you know, we're also approaching a day of reckoning for these private equity funds with the stock market. A lot of these startup companies really thrive during COVID and as a result of COVID. But you know, the predictions are that. In the, next, in the next year or so, there's going to be a day of reckoning. So it could be the reverse of that. Like what you thought would have been 5 yeah. million could now be something much less. Yeah. So I think what people need to understand, and to your point, is that these assets are highly volatile. Yep. And so you, know, you have to take that in mind and try to be a little bit less emotionally charged about it And more focused as to what you need moving forward, to your point, Stacey. You know, what do I need moving forward to live a lifestyle that I can manage? Exactly. And and that's so important that people understand that out of the gate so Mm -hmm. that when they're looking at these assets, when they're having to negotiate or compromise, they understand what they have, they understand what they're going to need. So then, you know, they Mm -hmm. can have very good conversations, very specific to their own needs. Yeah.
3: Karen, you bring up a really good point. Our clients through Francis Financial, we're not even looking at these assets of private equity, hedge funds, cryptocurrency until they have a portfolio in place that can fully fund their retirement and beyond. Once we have that, right, it's like you build the house first. Don't buy the vacation house first, right? You build your primary residence, you make sure it's sound and then if you're financially okay okay go ahead and look at you know a vacation home it's the same thing you have to make sure that your base portfolio is solid rock solid robust going to get you out to age 95 and beyond and then once you do that then we can look at some of these what we call them alternative assets and you know bitcoin in particular was at $60,000 a Bitcoin earlier this year, it just dropped down to 30,000 a Bitcoin. Can you imagine your investment portfolio going from a million to 500,000 in a few months? Like the stock market wouldn't even do that. I mean, I don't wanna say wouldn't, but like we've never seen losses like that in the stock market for such a short period of time. And so you know, just being really smart, we're like, okay, I'm going to get all my eggs in a row, all my ducks in order on like the most important piece, which is a robust portfolio using stocks and bonds. And then if I keep these things great, they're almost it's almost like extra frosting. I love this, on this analogy. A I, I, yeah. And I love cupcakes, but I love
2: this. <laughs> I love this analogy because. It really brings up with my divorce solution and what we do here. You know, the divorce financial portrait is created to understand what you have and what the foundation is to your marital estate. And what are all the documents that are needed with that? And then what is your budget? And then what... Where's the assessment to all these assets if it's crypto or private equity or your home or whatever it is, right? And then when that's done, they get you as their financial you know, if we send them to you as their financial planner, you get to see what their marital state was, which is a different risk tolerance than what your risk tolerance will be post-divorce. But your planner now has everything in their hands to be your expert, right? They see how you worked, whether you were involved with it or not what the risk was there and what's the foundation because that might have to transition into something else. So you may need to reform a new portfolio that's safe and secure and risk tolerant for your risk level and then go into some aggressive things if you want to or go into more conservative things if you have to and protect yourself. So I really love that analogy and it's very important to understand that even before you get divorced or before you go tell your attorney what you want or don't want, the portrait outlays all of that, and then take that to your planner who will now use that to make sure that you're prepared for your future and not getting into crazy things that you look at a market that drops the way it does and you're panicked. I mean, you'll be a little bit but at least you're protected.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And, And the risk tolerance that you had and the way that you could invest for your future when you're married is different than now you're a single woman. It's like, Can you wear your husband's pants? Do they fit you perfectly? No, no. And so nor should you have his portfolio. And when I say his portfolio, because that's really what, you know, for most of our clients, it was his portfolio. He was the one choosing the crypto, choosing the whatever, whatever, whatever. And you need to make sure that you're planning now for you
2: which is scary because, you know, I was a financial planner when I got divorced. I have an accounting degree. I wasn't scared of the finances, but I saw my own mind saying, oh my gosh, I'm making decisions for myself. Okay. I don't have someone to bounce it off at that time. You know, what? which is why working with you is important because you still want somebody to bounce it off of because being a woman out there who wasn't involved, can you imagine the fright they have to say, oh my gosh, how do I change this? I only know what he did. I probably should keep that. And that again, which is why I love for you to see where they were as a married couple, what they ended up receiving with their divorce then, and then working forward with that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I have to say it's a very hard transition, particularly if you've had a relationship where you haven't really been involved with the investing piece. You know, bill paying, most of us have, right? Most of us have, but this is completely different. And I see a lot of women who come to us with a lack, a real lack of confidence in themselves. And what I really just want to have every woman who's listening know is that you can do this stuff, study after studies, Fidelity, just put another one out. There are so many of them show that women are actually better investors. Yeah. And and I tell my husband this, just so you know,
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Actually, it's funny because
3: we're the role reversal. He pays the bills and I do all the investing. But the reason why women are better investors is that we research what we're going to do. We really research. We talk to financial advisors. We really think about it. There's no knee-jerk reactions. We are very conscious and thoughtful about choosing that portfolio. We put it in place and we're more likely to stick to it in good times and bad. Yes. Yeah. You know, maybe it's because we've gone through childbirth and we know life is not easy and there's pain in life. I don't know. But we tend to be much more likely that when we see a drop, keeping with it. And so we have a higher resistance to, in some way, market fluctuations. And because of that, we tend to outperform. The only thing that will bite us in the bottom is if we've invested too aggressively. Because if we invest too aggressively and we see a large drop in our portfolio, a large drop that's too severe, that's when it brings up those feelings of fear, those feelings of anxiety. And it actually brings up that fight or flight fear that we have way back when in the Miglia and our, uh, you know, in the cavewoman and caveman time when we saw the lion that same response happens when you see a lion to run away as you do if you see too large a drop in your portfolio so it's why what both of you are saying is so important of making sure that when you put that new portfolio in place that you make sure it's a robust portfolio and maybe make it a little more conservative in the beginning and then as your experience level increases as your confidence level increases and you see you're you know continuing on that path to financial security, then at that point maybe adding a little tweak here and a little extra, you know, stock here or something like that.
2: And people have to understand that you don't have to jump all in. So you could put a yeah. small, very small percent percentage of your investment in into that. And you know, if you're listening now and you know that you want a divorce but you're too afraid to ask, we have a lot of people it takes them a couple of years to do this it's okay, you should still understand because I think it's like nine, women will t- be in control of their finances. 98% of women will be in control of their finances at some point in their life. And that's even for the death of a spouse. So if your spouse passes away, you have to be in control of those assets. It's the same feeling as the divorce feeling. So, you know, start now asking questions, look at your statement, talk to your advisors. You don't have to understand everything, but you should start seeing everything so that one day they'll totally all
3: click. Exactly. So well-spoken.
1: I love that you said that. And I find myself saying that to our clients all the time, you know, guess what? You don't have to figure it all out today. Be comfortable taking one step at a time and start with the preparation. That way, when you get to making decisions, it'll be so much easier and will seem so much less overwhelming and actually probably won't be overwhelming at all because by going through the preparation
2: period, you're ready to make the decisions when it's time to make the decisions. Totally, totally important. I want to hop back, back into the cryptocurrency and I know you're listening and I know this is we're going a little longer than usual, but this is such great information, Stacy. Thank you so much. And really important but the cryptocurrency comes around a lot. Yeah, we have Coinbase. That's the be- that's the easiest one to get any kind of information on. So what people don't understand is the tax reporting, you know. And if you say, okay, I'll just put in my agreement an overall statement. I've seen these overall statements. Okay, wife gets half of the crypto. Right. It's so general because they don't understand it, and then they don't understand that if they do get that somehow. And your husband never, and it could be role reversal here, but if the other spouse never paid taxes on that, you're going to have a tax burden. Yes,
3: yes. So really important, all crypto is not the same, just as you you buy a share of Google 10 years ago and what you bought it for versus buying a share of Google today. It's gonna look very different um, what you pay in taxes when you sell the one from 10 years ago because it's gone up so much. I have a great example of that and it's actually a personal example my husband and I bought Bitcoin when it was $10 a Bitcoin. Those shares now valued at $30,000. If we are to sell, we have to pay taxes on $29,990 for every Bitcoin. Now, what happens if, you know, if those are the Bitcoins you get versus the Bitcoin that you bought a couple months ago for 60,000 and it's now dropped to 30,000. In that situation, you get to realize $30,000 of losses. That's gonna help you save you tens of thousands of dollars, potentially in taxes going forward. And so this is really important. I've seen it with private equity. I've seen it with hedge funds. I've seen it with crypto where the language in the agreement is very general of they take half, no you have all the different lots, you make sure you know what the basis is, you make sure what the tax implications are, and you name them. And if you want to be fair, you say, you know, half of the Bitcoins that were bought at $10, and then half of the Bitcoins that were bought at 60,000, and now we're 30,000. And that's an even way, right? That's even, you know, you get some tax benefit and some tax negatives so does your ex-spouse. That's just a really easy way to do it, but you're right, the challenge is people will just, you know, say half of the bitcoin. Well, I've seen those agreements and I've been on the other end of that where the husband is then trying to transfer the lowest yes. basis assets to them. I've even seen it with taxable accounts, like half of the Schwab account. Yes. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the half of the Schwab account that gets transferred from her from his Schwab friend that he goes out drinking with is the Schwab account that was bought the portion 20 years ago. and has very low basis. And so they're going to pay a gazillion dollars in taxes. And we're able to catch that. We're able to flag that. We're able to say, Hey, this is BS. But the vast majority of people don't have financial advisors Uh that are looking like eagles, let alone the vast majority of financial advisors don't know this stuff.
2: Which is why we created the Divorce Financial Portrait and why we use you as a resource as well, because you can't go back and undo this, just like where we started with the client that you spoke about. It's so important, the details and the knowing all the components of every asset and every debt. And it may seem painful, but that's why we have the resources for you to get that information before you make that decision, because you can't undo that decision. Yeah, absolutely. This is great information.
1: Great conversation. Stacey. I love
3: this stuff. I know. <laughs> I love so good. The best part about this is like, I love busting people who are doing naughty things. Oh, like, you too. know, people <laughs> who like, he feels like he's going to be able to take advantage and you could, I was like the worst little sister. I always was busting my older brother. Now the good news is we're dear friends now, but there's just something in me. People who are behaving badly, who, you know, are trying to get away with things. It's not right. It's not right, and that's why I love this work because we can stop that, and we Absolutely. can, you know, have her stand in her power and say, "You do not treat me this way." Right, right. You know. And right. guess
1: what? I know what I'm talking about. Right. Exactly. Client, guess exactly. what? Exactly. I've got it right here in front of me, and I've got advisors who are advocating for me, and exactly. I, you know, I know what I'm doing. That's just so empowering. Oh.
3: Well, my heart is so warm, and I have to say, what the two of you are doing not only with this podcast, but with the work that you're doing, helping women get all this information, get real clarity into it, game changer. And it's a game changer for our industry because mm. we don't talk about it enough and there are not enough resources to help women with that. So just want to say kudos to the two of you. Thank you. Thank you. We're
2: really passionate like- about it because I think that divorce doesn't have to be a multi-billion dollar industry with the symmetry among documentations and with the considerations that we put out there. You can go to your next advisor like you and have confidence and not be scared to go to your financial planner because you'll have already have a grasp on it. And Mm -hmm. then they'll be able to work with you better to move forward. And then they can go to their attorneys and really decide what I want. And, you know, it doesn't have to be any other way than that. Right. Um, yep. so working together like this, we're all going to change it. Just going to change it.
1: Yeah, Confidently at the table. Stacy, how can our listeners find you and learn more about
3: you? Oh, thank you. Yeah. I'd love to chat more. I mean, I, this is what I love most. If anyone has any specific questions, you can go to Francisfinancial.com or you can email me Stacy S-T-A-C-Y at Francisfinancial.com. We have a free consultation where we can sit down with you and help you, you know, we're not right for everyone. Um, but I can definitely point you into the direction of who could help you, whether it's through, you know, pro bono services, through Savvy Ladies or whatever it is. You know, my highest, best use of my time is chatting with people and giving them all the resources. So yeah, so feel free to go to Francis Financial. Also, there's a lot of great information there about these types of questions, complex divorce, high assets, things to watch out for. So it's a really useful resource too.
1: Thank you. Thank you again for a fantastic conversation.
0: Thank you. By the time my divorce was over, I was actually in a better place financially than I had ever been in my life. That's a quote from a My Divorce Solution client, Sarah, a divorced mom of three. We know the thought of divorce can leave you feeling scared, angry, and overwhelmed at the unknown path ahead. The first step to feeling in control of your future is to know what you have and know what it means to you. That's why we create a financial portrait for each client. Financial clarity that secures successful divorce outcomes for your family. If you're looking to navigate divorce with financial clarity, not fear, guiding decisions, head to our website at MyDivorceSolution.com to get more information on how the financial portrait secures your worth and protects your wealth. Thanks for joining us on another episode of WeChat Divorce. We hope this episode was informative and supportive on your divorce journey. If you are looking for more support for navigating divorce with confidence and clarity, head over to mydivorcesolution.com for more podcast episodes, divorce events, and resources for your divorce. We'll see you back here for our next episode.